What Makes a Great Leader? In the podcast series, 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership, I explore this topic with Richard Lummis. We take a look at examples from history, from business, from current events, and even from the movies. If you're interested in all in business leadership, whether you're a CEO or whether you're a middle manager, this is the podcast series for you. We take a look at presidents and everyone in between. I hope you will check us out. 12 o'clock high. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Welcome to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. In this episode, we take a look at a recent report from the SOX Professional Group on the state of SOX Internal Controls Compliance Survey, which was recently released. It formed the basis of a blog post that Matt put together uh, in Radical Compliance. In this podcast, we consider why Matt feels SOX compliance is still poking along and that it is really still just a, quote, big hassle, end quote. Internal audit is asked and has been tasked with taking on more of SOX compliance roles and the technological solutions that out there are not yet being implemented with over 73% of all companies still doing their SOX compliance via spreadsheets and Word documents. So there's lots of room for improvement as we go into the weeds on SOX Compliance. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production on the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist and the Voice of Compliance, back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. And we are going to geek out today because we're going to discuss a blog post that Matt uh, put up earlier this week entitled Report SOX Compliance Still a Pain. So, Matt, uh, first of all, welcome. And uh, what did the latest report on SOX compliance uh, communicate to you? Hey, Tom. Yeah, well, you know, as the title says, here we are 16, 17 years after SOX has been passed and uh, it is still a big hassle for a lot of companies. Um, so this report that I wrote about, this was put out by the SOX Professionals Group, which has at least many several hundred uh, members. It's a nationwide group of corporate audit risk management compliance people. Uh, it is sponsored by Workiva, and we should always keep in mind that Workiva does sell software and services to SOX compliance professionals. But uh, the SOX Professionals Group is a quasi-independent uh, professional association um, underwritten by Workiva, but nonetheless, they have their own meetings, they do their own research reports, and they put out this report uh, on the trends in SOX compliance. They surveyed uh, not quite 500 people from a variety of mostly internal audit titles uh, with a smattering of risk management and corporate compliance people. Uh, but they found um, what I thought were a couple, a couple of interesting things. Number one, um, internal audit functions are being asked more and more to do SOX compliance work or to be responsible for SOX compliance. Um, and you can see that trend over time because uh, the SOX compliance group has put out uh, four years' worth of data now. Uh, so there's a lot of internal audit doing more of the oversight and uh, the, the heavy lifting of SOX compliance, and I have some issues with that we could get into. Uh, they talked about 
uh, the adoption of new technology to make SOX compliance work easier to do, which is happening in fits and starts. But when you go from a super low level to double it to a really low level, you're still really low. Um, so we have some issues there that we could talk about. Um, and then lastly, of course, is just the plain old cost of SOX compliance, which uh, is rising. Although, again, I am not entirely sure how useful that is or is not to talk about, hey, the cost of SOX compliance goes up. A lot of companies put out cost of compliance surveys that are kind of all over the map, and a lot of it will depend on your specific company. Are you pre-IPO? Are you newly IPO? Have you been IPO'd since 2002? Uh, you'll get a different answer if you're bigger, you're smaller. Um, and then they talked a little bit about some uh, upcoming priorities for SOX compliance in 2020, because a lot of the testing and whatnot that will happen is going to start in about two or three months after the January 1st rolls around. Um, but, you know, it was, it was definitely a somewhat gloomy picture of SOX compliance, and you know, like we're slow poking our way to a, a better path, but like it's slow, slow poking, that's for sure. I guess uh, let me let's maybe take a little bit uh, deeper dive into a couple of your points, Matt. The first one being the internal audit being asked uh, uh, more and more to take over SOX compliance. Uh, I guess from my perspective, I don't see that as, as really uh, too much of a negative, but it appears you might have some other thoughts on that. I do. Um, I would not be opposed to internal audit taking over SOX compliance if it wasn't a terribly heavy or boring burden. And for many companies, it is tedious. It's uh, a lot of scut work. And it's not necessarily what uh, internal audit would want to do to add value to the organization. So I, I'll give you some statistics first from the report. Um, four years ago, the SOX professionals group, uh, their numbers said that roughly 33% of companies were handling the internal audit was handling SOX compliance. Well, now it's up to 46%. So as internal audit seems to be doing more and more of SOX compliance, it seems to be less and less the financial reporting team. Um, and my fear isn't so much who oversees SOX compliance. It's like who actually does it. And then when you get into some of the weeds of this report, it does find that for a lot of internal audit shops, they're spending like half their time doing SOX compliance, which is not sexy stuff. I am a firm believer in SOX, and I think SOX compliance is important. But let's also remember, Tom, you and I have talked many times over the years about how internal audit should be looking at bigger emerging risks. They should be looking at strategic risks to the company. They should be developing data analytics functions and capabilities so that you can more quickly find when a business risk is drifting into the red zone. That's all important. And if you talk to chief audit executives, the Institute of Internal Auditors, you talk to board directors, they all say that's what we want the internal audit to do. Well, this report says they're not doing that. They're doing SOX compliance testing, SOX testing, um, monitoring of controls, documenting controls. Uh, if you automated a lot of that, if you outsourced a lot of that, um, and then the audit executive or the senior audit team could focus on the, the sexy stuff, the emerging risks, the uh, strategic risks, I'd be fine with all of that. This 
study here, this report shows that lots of companies have internal audit doing the inglorious SOX compliance work, and that is not necessarily the best use of an internal audit function's time. And I, I fear that it comes at the expense of attention to emerging risks, strategic risks, and all the other stuff that's going to put you in the headlines, um, which is not really going to be SOX compliance testing and monitoring. Like, we know how to do that. It's not cool, but it's important, like eating your peas. Um, but, you know, if this is where we're spending all of our time, then internal audits priorities are sort of out of whack of where they should be. Wow. Uh, this is our only the second time I think we've moved to parent corner in uh, compliance into the weeds. So uh, remember, eat your peas, <laughs> boys and girls out there, even if you are a uh, in, in internal audit. Uh, don't, uh, could this really just be seen as a either a misallocation of resources or a reallocation of resources uh, for internal audit from away from some uh, larger or bigger picture risk to down into uh, a much more specific technical risk analysis? Well, you know, that's a good question. I sometimes I have wondered if th these numbers are more a function of a snapshot in time. So right now in 2019, all of your internal financial controls, like it's not easy to reset them all, but you know, we have major new accounting standards on revenue recognition. We have them on lease accounting. Uh, we have new attention to things like critical audit matters that are um, big issues the audit firm looks at that are based on a lot of subjective judgment. And, like, and there's going to be more big major accounting standards coming soon. So there's a lot of change going on in what your financial processes and what your controls actually should be. So, you know, I can see why you might find SOX compliance to be a bit of a time suck right now. Um, it's also fair to point out that this audience that was surveyed, that produced these results, uh, they are the SOX compliance professionals group. So everybody surveyed is somehow involved in SOX compliance, and they may also do internal audit. But there is a larger group out there of internal audit professionals who may or may not be part of the SOX compliance team. So I, I do wonder a little bit, you know, are we at the, the wrong end of the Venn diagram, so to speak, that maybe there are other internal audit executives who aren't in this population of survey takers? Maybe we would have gotten a different answer. I don't know. But what you can see over time, because you've got four years' worth of data from this survey now, is that there are fewer financial reporting people involved in SOX compliance. Um, there's a teeter-totter mix-mash of companies that have a specific SOX compliance team, but more and more internal audit people are primarily responsible for SOX compliance. Um, a lot of that group are managing it in-house, and a lot of that group are spending at least half of their time on SOX compliance. I, like, If you manage SOX compliance well, and we can pivot into SOX technology and how to get it done, we can pivot to that in a moment. But if you did have all of your tech down really well, SOX compliance would not be a big part of your time. It would be an important issue, but if it's well-automated and well-designed, you'd still have plenty of time to focus on the important stuff as the board would define it because the board does not see SOX compliance as crucial. They, they're worried about are we having an emerging risk that we're not going to see 
are we going to have a strategic bet that we didn't understand and we don't find out until two years later we find out the hard way? Those are what they worry about. And the audit committee, I think, would love to just have a lot of the SOX compliance finally beaten down into some stable, sustainable, repeatable, secured, confident oversight of financial controls. And this data says we're not here there. We're not here yet. So, that, I mean, that, that's – I don't know if that answers the question or not, but, like, that's what the data tells us. Well, before we get to uh, the tech solution, uh, I did want to pick up on one point uh, you said, which is perhaps they're not or we are not looking at or asking the, the largest number of people or the right number of people because later on in your post you pointed to a uh, Protivity SOX compliance survey earlier this year. Which yep. really uh, found compliance cro- compliance cost drifting downward. Uh, so there seemed to be, um, if not cognitive dissonance in the two reports, at least a, a little bit of different focus. Um, and it just seemed to me that maybe there are populations. There's a broader population that both reports did not fully target. You know that's possible. And the only thing I will point out about the Protivity report, which uh, came out I think about four months ago. Um, yes, overall, the cost of compliance for all companies, according to Protivity, kind of edged downward, but there were so many specific subpopulations where cost of compliance went up. It's like, oh, I don't know what that says. But Protivity also did find companies spending more time on SOX compliance, and they were testing more controls. Now, why is that? Haven't we been spending all of our time trying to simplify controls and reduce the number that we're testing. Yes, we have, but we had all of these new accounting standards come in on leasing and revenue recognition and everything else I talked about two minutes ago, and that had led to more controls to be tested and more adoption of cloud-based services. That's more points of potential uh, error, grief, misconduct, whatever, but there's more controls you need to test. So Protivity also found that there was more work that had to be done, and it's a lot on testing. It's a lot on documenting controls, and that is what internal audit does. And here we have another study saying that internal audit is doing a whole lot of this and spending their time on it, and it's like, I don't know, a black hole of attention that uh, is pulling us away from, like I said, the bigger risk management issues that I think most executives and most board directors would like internal audit to worry about. But they're not. They keep getting pulled back to, and every time they think they're out, something in financial reporting pulls them back in. So now let's turn to uh, the sexy stuff, uh, which is the new technologies. But I think we first need to start with yep. uh, a fairly uh, dramatic chart that you put in your blog post, which looked at the primary technology tools which are being utilized to support uh, SOX compliance. And it seems like we're still stuck on spreadsheets. Uh, We are. So according to the SOX professionals group, 73% of the survey takers said their primary technology to manage SOX compliance is Microsoft Excel. It's Word. It's uh, PowerPoint flowcharts and things like that. Same stuff it's been since 2003. Um, Yes, that more companies are using things like GRC software or SOC-specific compliance or data analytics, that's good. But when you go from, say, 17% to 34% using a SOX tool, 
those are the numbers, or 10% to 21% using data analytics. That's good. I mean, a doubling of using these technologies is good. Um, but like I said, we're starting from a really low number and we're doubling it to a low number. It's still a low number. And SOX compliance relying on spreadsheets, like 73% is too high. Um, until we break that cycle, until we see those numbers like inverted, um, then SOX compliance is still going to be a lot of really tedious, laborious work that keeps us away from all of the other risk management issues that internal audit should be doing. So here we are. Matt, we've, we've talked a, a fair amount on this podcast about uh, tech innovations and tech solutions, but it seems to me that because of the um, hyper-technical requirements of Sarbanes-Oxley and the response from internal audit that, that a tech solution, whether it be robotic process automation or other solution would be uh, basically uh, well-suited for, for this type of compliance. It would be. And what always intrigues me, and this is true in this SOX professionals survey and in that Protivity survey that I mentioned a minute or two ago, they always include new types of technology that will be adopted. And it's always somewhere in the single digits or the mid-double digits, like anywhere from 5 to 15% are using it now. And 40 or 50% say, but we're really looking at it, and we expect to adopt it in two or three years. And two or three years later, I see the same pattern when it shouldn't be 5 to 15% two or three years later. It should be 40 or 50%, and it's not. Um, so I do wonder what are the obstacles and the choke points there, and it, it gets to questions about how you would define the business case for better GRC or SOX compliance technology, which you, you really have to be on your point about that. But um, these are technologies we're going to need to figure out. And I, I'm sure that, Tom, when we talk about this in like 2030, this will all be distant <laughs> history. But here now in 2019 with 2020 breathing down our necks, you know, we're still stuck on all these emerging technologies. They're still just emerging. And um, I don't know when they're going to be emerged but they haven't emerged yet. I guess uh, my hope is that I'm not a distant memory in uh, 2030. Uh, I have every confidence we'll still be here. But uh, you had one other. I, I have every confidence the Weeds podcast will still be here in 2030. You ended your uh, blog post uh, going in a little bit different direction, which intrigued me as well. But I wanted to maybe get a few of your thoughts on that. And that's around cybersecurity, the role of internal audit, and particularly SOX compliance and cyber cybersecurity. So you want to uh, give us a few words on that? Yeah, sure. So this is uh, the heresy alert that I am. Everybody sit down. Be ready for it. I do not think that cybersecurity is a significant financial reporting issue. And we will pause momentarily while half of our listeners faint because everybody talks about cybersecurity, regulators do and audit executives do. Everybody worries about it. It's always at the top of the charts. It's at the top of this professional's uh, SOX professional's survey too. But SOX compliance is about ensuring accurate financial statements and reducing the risk of material misstatements that have to be pulled back. And SOX compliance is very good at that. We have seen a dramatic decrease in faulty statements that need to be restated. Um, I'm not saying SOX compliance is easy, but it fulfills its objective. But cybersecurity, 
when you really get down to it, and in hushed, whispered circles, other audit executives will tell me this. It's like it's really rare that you will see a cybersecurity attack that results in a financial restatement. And PCAOB board members have given speeches saying that cybersecurity is important, but audit firms play a limited role in auditing data security controls. Um, you know, sure, cybersecurity could be an expensive thing once it happens to you, but thieves are really not, you know, they're not out to steal huge sums of money that throw the company in turmoil. They're out to steal either data that isn't financial, like healthcare data or employee personal data that you can resell on the black market. Well, that's not going to come up in a financial audit because it's not money. It's not financial data. It's personal data. Um, or that they might try and bleed you dry with, you know, 100,000 here, 100,000 there. At a billion-dollar company, at, uh, I don't know, some of the largest banks in the world, $100,000 over the course of a year is not a, not a material amount of money. And why would a hacker try to do something audacious that, A, might not work, and then, B, once it works, you know, you can't do it again. You know, once you've got a steady thing going, you keep it going. That's the hacker's perspective. Um, but all of that means that while we worry about cybersecurity, show me the scenario where it results in a material weakness in financial reporting, which is what SOX compliance is out to prevent. Um, so I still struggle with that. Regulators struggle with that. Auditors struggle with that. Um, in hushed circles, corporate compliance people will admit it, that you know they don't exactly see how cybersecurity is a SOX compliance and financial reporting issue. It's an important issue in other ways, but not in this issue. Uh, but you can't say that. It's politically incorrect to say that cybersecurity isn't always the first and foremost disastrous thing possible. You know, we always have to say that, but I struggle to understand how SOX compliance addresses that risk, even though it's the number one thing that we all talk about for 2020. So. Anybody who thinks I'm wrong, write in. Please tell me how I have my head up my posterior because I'd love to understand this correctly. But, like, I struggle to see how this is a financial reporting issue. It's something else. It's not this. What I see from my perspective is internal auditors struggling with even how to audit around this issue, um, kind of separate and apart from the, the SOX compliance component, in a way that I saw internal audit struggling in the 0405, 06-07 timeframe, struggling with how to audit around uh, compliance, anti-bribery, anti-corruption compliance, compliance programs, and how to move forward. Uh, my sense is that they, they will figure it out, but um, yep. perhaps the direct tie to uh, SOX and financial reporting compliance is not uh, so overt that it needs to be uh, uh, fully engaged in right now. Well, Matt, uh, unfortunately, we're at the end of our time, but I was wondering if you might give us uh, one great quote that can kind of sum up this blog post and your thoughts around why um, we're slowly, we're slow poking along with SOX compliance. Well, I, I think more than anything else, this report shows that uh, SOX compliance is still very much a big priority for internal audit functions, and it can be a tedious and laborious priority, which is not ideal because SOX compliance is important, but until we master it, it's going to take our attention away from other risk management issues that do need attention and do need a lot of thought, and uh, we need to break that dynamic somehow. 
Well, Matt, I greatly look forward to seeing what next week brings us. Thank you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you again for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. If you have any questions of Matt, he can be reached at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. You can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. We'll link to Matt's blog post on this topic in our show notes. I hope you'll join us again next week where Matt and I take up another topic which catches our eye and we go into the weeds upon. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.